Eternal Dirtles is supported by our backers on Patreon. If you're interested in this content and want to help us create more parody songs or host the podcast on several platforms for you um, or come up with our off-the-cuff prizes that we send to our patrons, um, you can go to patreon.com slash eternaldirtles. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Eternal Dirtles. I'm Nate Golia, and I'm here with Phil Blackman. Zach has the night off tonight. Phil, welcome in. Hope you're doing Yo, well. Yeah, what it do? I'm doing. I'm doing real well. I'm excited to be talking about new cards for a, a set that uh, could potentially be very busted, but feels like it is back to innovative, like pre 2019 design, where it's not just everything does everything. Although, fun fact about this set, uh, I didn't count them, but uh, I, I think it was Pat Chapin who tweeted it that this set has 47 cards in it that say draw a card. Really? Yeah. Just the, the, just but, the but we don't, draw a card. Here's the thing, though. We don't know what it, what it normally says in a normal set either, right? Well, you know, like, he compared it. I've, oh, I got I, Hold on. Let me, let me try. It up? I, yeah. I, 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 off the cuff, was like, oh, I remember this stat. Now I should have looked it up before we started recording. But um, no, he, he compared it to a set that had like four that was like fairly recent. Hmm. Oh no! You compared it to the 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 the, the last time we were at Zen, in Zendikar. Oh, so what is so, it? Obviously, a long time ago. Um, I, let me make sure that I'm actually crediting this tweet to the right person. I don't know. Well, oh, here we go. I found, I found it. Uh, Zendikar has 13 cards that draw a card. Zendikar Rising has 47. There it is. Uh, yeah. Was it was it Chapin? Yes. Battle for Zendikar. Who knows what that had? Probably two. What a forgettable set that was. This one's a little bit better. Um, I still don't think anything like the originals on the car. Just I still think they're they're sort of chasing a dragon with it, but um, they just can't put, bring themselves to do anything quite as good as the original again. But this this set's got some interesting stuff. So let's start. Um, you want to start with Jace Mirror Mage? Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of a freebie that we should be talking about the the planeswalkers that are in the correct colors for Legacy, right? Um, Jace Miramage, he, he his closest comparison that I've seen him get is like Dark Confidant. Uh, for well, let's, let's you want to, oh, yeah. yeah, we wish you would be Everything. cards, right? Yeah, uh, one blue blue for legendary planeswalker Jace. It's got four loyalty, it's got kicker two. When Jace Miramage enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, create a token that's a copy of it, except it's not legendary and its starting loyalty is one. Uh, and then plus one, scry two. Zero, draw a card and reveal it. Remove a number of loyalty counters. Equal to that card's converted mana cost from Jace Mirror Mage. So I think the ideal here is that you pay three blue-blue. You get the Jace that has a starting loyalty of one. You plus one that to scry. And then you zero Jace and draw the a land you put on top. And then you sort of have your build your own Dark Confidant, like you were saying. Yeah, more so than the, like, the, what, what the best pattern that you should do when you get to the kicked point i think that in the 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 idea of thinking how would you play this card in legacy is in the games where you're looking to grind right where it's really just about cards you're looking to interact on the stack or go really long you think think your snow cone mirrors right where there's not really much ground game coming into the red zone uh i think your your end game is to just get to the kicker point because when you kick him you draw a card right you get a second uh planeswalker 
And then each of those planeswalkers has the capacity to generate cards. So if you can get to the point where you stick five mana, then it's just this insurmountable card advantage engine, right? So I think that's... I, I feel like people are, are downplaying Jace because they don't think he's playable because he's not at three mana. There's just a lot... There's just At three mana, there are things that are way better to be doing. But at five mana, he becomes better than a lot of the things at three mana, obviously. But he does so in a way where you have the option uh, to pay three mana, which is different from other five mana spells. Yeah, I don't think this thing at three is that is like an unplayable card. I just think that the three drop blue planeswalker card advantage slot is just like overwhelmed with ideas, right? It's really glutted. Well, the, the, the way that I was looking at this card, because I was really excited for, for Jace when he was first spoiled. And then I was thinking about, okay, in, in, without going deep into trying to come up with a whole new deck around him, which would be an interesting challenge because I think the kicked uh, version of him is a reasonable, a reasonable enough payoff to try and build around to do just that your end game and then have you know whatever over the top win condition you want beyond that um but with jace i was thinking okay if you're like in miracles or if you're in some sort of snow deck at three mana for your planeswalker slot you're already gonna have to contest with oko for the rest of forever right mm -hmm. but let's say you're not playing green at three man at the same casting cost you have narset which with jace you zero you reveal a card at random supposedly and then he's gonna minus some amount of loyalty at random so there's, there's a lot of variance there. If you just compared him to Narset, it's the same cost. Narset's going to draw you a card. You're going to know exactly what her loyalty is going to be on, and she's going to give you selection, plus have a prison effect. Yep. Infinitely more interesting or uh, uh, playable than Jace. Uh, of course, the difference is, like, after you dig through time with Narset, huh, lucky you, you know, Jace could continue to draw cards over a long game, et cetera, et cetera, like, obviously. But I think when in a direct comparison, he just doesn't stack up, which is why I think if anybody's interested in playing Jace, look for ways to accelerate to get to kick him, because um, that's where you're going to get your bang for your buck. Blue Cloud post deck or something like that. I could see him cool. in some... So I was actually thinking in... Uh, I was brewing with um, a Miracles Loam list with Teferi. Do you remember seeing me? Yes. Well, that? That's the thing. Like I felt like that deck was really good and Teferi was really good. And then it's just unneeded. That's where the problem is for anything that's entering the format now, right? Yeah, so I, I was just like, in, in, if, if the goal of a deck is you want to play a deck that is looking to interact, i.e. you want to go up and raw cards, which is what Jace does, or selection, which is what Jace does, that then you're, you'd also want a deck that can accelerate. And then the first thing that came to mind that wasn't an established deck already was that brew of Loam Miracles where you just like can go long and then flip your miracles every turn and in that context that's fine because he's going to search you to your like one or two of entreat and then your end game is just going to be consistently recurring those over and over and over again and if you just have this jace that you can accelerate to you know like being able to go uh turn one exploration turn two jace obviously it's not great but the fact that you can have a five minute payoff later on in a deck that's looking to loam and get a bunch of lands it, it, it could be a new interesting take on a, a controlish lands archetype that is part miracles, part lands. I thought your deck was good. I thought it was well conceived with Teferi. I'm surprised that no one really picked up that thing. And unfortunately, I just think it's because 
there's not there's there's not much you need to do you it's it's the path of least resistance is just playing your oko or a control deck which is yeah i mean when when it it comes to those types yeah when it comes to those types of decks too i also think that like those types of content those concepts that would work that would be playable don't either a get the light of day if they're not put up if they don't put up like a couple five o's by like one person um an example of this is like Esper Vile, right? Like Esper yeah. Vile put up a couple of five O's and then all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, maybe this deck is real. We should probably look into it. And then a <laughs> bunch of people iterate on it and then they just get like a, a, a legitimate deck. Whereas there's probably a lot of just un, undiscovered quote, quote, uh, like uh, archetypes that could exist if there was just the, the hive mind power in iterating them. Yeah. So Let's move on. You like anything else in this top line here? Uh, no, everything else is too expensive. I, I will say that I thought Ashaya, uh, the text on Ashaya, uh, yeah. the funniest thing, if you haven't seen it yet, go look at Matt Tabak's Twitter, where he had to, he went, you know, an, I don't know, an eight or nine tweet thread deep on uh, explaining how Ashaya works with Blood Moon. Yeah. It, 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 like, <laughs> I, if, if you are interested in comedy writing in any way, let me tell you that Tabak thread unintentionally is comedy gold it's it's like it's tales of fraud and malfeasance in railroad hiring practices right it's just so good also oh, like, you don't, you don't uh, get that joke i just found out you're almost 10 years younger than me yeah yeah i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm i am a 14 year old kid yeah. but uh ashaya can get wastelanded so that, that's yeah. a fun fun idea yep uh the next line we're on we're just going down mythic spoiler we didn't prepare like we usually do for this just because uh kind of throw it together but um we, we knew what cards we wanted to look at we knew what card- we've we been talking about them quite a bit we haven't been able to schedule yeah so we've got five mythic uh these spell lands and this is like the big mechanic from zendikar for the new zendikar set where it's a it's a card where the front face so there's always a front face and a back face of a card right the front face is a a spell an instant or sorcery or creature or whatever it is right and then the back is a land, and the, there's a cycle of five mythic monocolor lands that you can have come into play untapped if you pay three life. All the other spell lands in the set will come into play tapped no matter what you do. Now, I want to talk about these conceptually quickly. So you've got five cards here, and I'm not going to, I mean, I'm going to read all of them really quickly. Amaria's Call is a seven mana sorcery in white, so four and three white, to make two four four angels with flying and there's another clause about non-angel creatures you control being instructable seagate restoration four and triple blue to draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand plus one and you get no maximum hands out of the game agadim's awakening x and triple black uh to return from your graveyard any number of target creature cards each have a different converted mana cost x or less so you're gonna be pumping a lot of mana into that as well um you can kind of get the point turn tipper symbiosis is a seven mana uh summoning trap basically that can give smaller creatures you find off of it a little boost and shatter skull smashing which is a red x spell that can split damage between creatures and planeswalkers can't even go face here's yeah they're all sorceries here's here's my thing so the back side of this of all these is a is a land that you can play untapped for three life the problem is that the front side of all these the spell parts are so are not the kind of spells that you would play in decks where you want to play a land that bolts you. Do you get what I'm saying? Like they're no, all, they're all very pricey cards. 
not only that, not only that they're pricey, it's like they don't even really just straight up win when you cast them. Taking Miria's Call is like the big example here where it's like, this is a, this is a control finisher. Well, no control deck wants to just want, like cares enough to play like a bolt land. Like you'd rather just play the land tapped anyway, right? So uh, I'll it's say a, that- In standard, you know what I'm saying? I'll say for Amiria's Call in particular, Amiria's Call is exactly uh, an Entreat the Angels hard cast for two. Yeah. Uh, I'll also say that, yes, uh, I agree that none of the, none, no control decks or decks that are looking to go long unless they have, you know, Oko or Uro in them so everything is free, uh, are interested in paying life for a monocolored land to come in that can get wastelanded. However, uh, those decks are interested in just having access to more lands in general. So, Think about like uh, if you, an example that uh, I thought was really interesting is that if you Uro and draw into one of these, you can play it as a land. Right. But like the thing is like the card quality is so low that you could just play any other, like there are probably just straight up lands you could slide in your deck that you would just want to have instead of this bolt land. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I I mean, I agree. I think Bojukabog, for example, is basically a spell land, right? Like, yeah, there, there's the, the difference in these ones is this. If you think about, I, I, I think that if you look at the design, at least for Legacy, um, except for the broken decks that we'll talk about in a second, but if you were to look at these and think if the front facing card was a land first and then the backside had these sorceries on them, would you play the land and then think about the, the spell as a freebie? Is that good enough for you in whatever deck you're building? I think that's how you have to look at these because. The, the spell side, if you ever get to cast them, that game has, whatever game you're in has gone so far off the rails that like anything would have done, you know? And then that's it's just a, a matter of having spell density in your deck. Right, but I don't think in Legacy that matters as much because Legacy is not, like uh, the, the, front, the front side of these would have to have been something that really benefits from putting four of them in, right? Because there's a lot of like, well, great. So you cut a, either cut a spell from your deck Let's say, like, let's look at Seagate Restoration, which is a seven mana draw some amount. It's not a draw seven because I, you're, I, this card must have been hosed at some point because there is a card that was uh, printed in Mythic and Ixalan that is exactly this uh, converted mana cost or exactly this cost, and it just says draw seven cards on it. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Right. Oh, that's another point I wanted to get to in a second, where like, you know, the costing on the sorceries on the on the spell side is mitig is is changed from what it would be otherwise there's an example in the set and so they're saying they value the this flexibility is this way but anyway like it's your, it's your but if this is your big draw spell this is like a sphinx's revelation theoretically right it's a big draw spell though it doesn't draw you much from zero it can be seven mana draw a card if it's the only card in your hand mm-hmm. i mean the thing is like again like both of those cards those blue and white cards like they're not the, the archetypes that would want the spell side don't really want that kind of land then you've got this black card that, um, you know, it doesn't really do any much of anything interesting unless you have a lot of land. Yes, you want a lot of land in play to make it big, but you don't want to play a bolt land. Like, you're going to play some other lands. Like, you're going to play, like, Cabal Coffers or that fixed Cabal Coffers or whatever or Nyx Lotus or something to, to you know, pump up this, these two X spells. There's the mm-hmm. black one and the red one. And then the green one is actually sort of interesting because it's, like, the one thing I thought about, look, you know, turn timber, symbi- turn timber symbiosis for triple green for a sorcery. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a creature card from on the battlefield. 
if that card has converted mana cost three or less, it comes in with three additional plus one, plus one counters on it. I actually thought that might be an interesting card for like a green cloud post deck just because like, okay, like you actually might want extra green mana. And if you don't need the extra green mana, this thing can dig for any of your horrifying creatures. And if it's a walking ballista, at least it's a three, three walking ballista. I, I think the, the, that's an interesting idea that I immediately thought to myself, the actual most difficult part about that is triple green. Yeah, right. But we're going to play four of these then so you can get triple green. Like that's the kind of thing, but like Cloudpost isn't in standard, right? And even Tron doesn't probably want something like this. So it's like, it's even like, that's sort of a weird corner case. I don't even think they need, and I don't think they really need such a thing. But the point is that like, I didn't see a lot of synergy between the front and back here. It was just like, and it's almost like they're mythics. We can't make them staples because they'll be ridiculously expensive. I don't know about that. that. That's never prevented them from printing something at Mythic before. Well, yes, but they're responding to some sort of complaint. Now, that being said, let's move on to your point, which is that the, the fact that, that the broken part of these cards is not what they are. Like, in, it's not what they do, necessarily, other than the fact that they are lands that come into play untapped that don't count as lands which is good for belcher and oops all spells and now you've created broken cards in modern and legacy right that are mythics in a standard set and are going to push up the price <laughs> if, if to the extent that anyone's playing that anyone's paying magic it's just such I mean, a weird uh, yeah. thing and I, you I, think the, I, I think the actual thing that's going to push any amount of price tag is if edh players are interested in having these cards like if these are just ubiquitous in in whatever EDH uh, decks people have that match their colors, I think that's what's going to drive the price. I don't think constructed decks are going to drive the price for these because if, if you need them, the, like the only decks that I've seen that aren't specifically like Belcher and Oops, which not everybody's going to be interested in playing anyway and like picking up the cards for that, is Turn Timber Symbiosis in Modern Amulet because you can play the land and then play a bounce land, pick it up, and then you have the spell. That's the only place that I've seen in a not like just try and belch you style deck that these have found homes in already. Yep. The point is we don't have to tell you at this point because the results have already out there by the time this recording that these cards are good in Belcher and Oops. We, we haven't seen a legacy. We've seen a modern Belcher deck that was pretty interesting. And we have seen the legacy Oops deck just go, apparently just go crazy with these cards, right? The, 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 the issue with the Oops deck before was, is, was just getting to the requisite <laughs> mana and then never being able to interact. Now you can take like X number of draw steps by hitting your land drops by just playing a bunch of these, you know, tap lands. If, if they waste you, who cares? Like the, yeah, the, game one. Is, the, game, the game has never been about whether or not they're like uh, interacting with your board because you never had a board. You're yeah. just trying to kill them. I mean, it turns on your opponent's wastelands to an extent, but they also might not get a turn. Like if they're spending, if they, yeah, but if they spend their if they spend their land drop wasting you as opposed to like trying to canter it for counter magic or something, that's still that's still favorable for you. Yeah, I mean, you got tons of it. Just this is just adding at the at worst four initial mana sources, maybe more. I don't know if they're play, are they playing the tap lands too? I didn't see the the deck list. I didn't I didn't parse the deck list. I saw the Agadim's Awakening, and that makes sense because it's it's it's. I'm at 17 Dark Ritual. You got it? It's, no? It's, it's, okay. Yeah, it's, it's an actual <laughs> land. Yeah, it's a, a land that you can play that it will, will not be seen on the Balustrade Spire or the Informer, and it can cast Dark Ritual. The other, the other card that we haven't seen a lot of in Legacy that, for which that I think is a, um, is a relevant point that it's, these aren't lands that are spells is Bolas' Citadel, um, but I haven't thought for 30 seconds about how to build that deck. 
Um, obviously, the red one, you know, is just your initial mana source for Rite of Flame. I don't know if no, Legacy no, Belcher. I, I, I don't think, I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, the, the one issue is that Bolas' Citadel, with the, these are worse with Bolas' like when Bolas' Citadel is on the table, because even though you can play them off the top of your library as a land, that's fine, but you, you only get that one land drop per turn unless you're, you know, doing way more than you need to when you have a Bolas' Citadel on the table. And then when you cast these, you can't actually pay any, anything for X. Right, but you don't care. You're just getting it out of the way. It's, you're pay, you're, it's basically pay three life, exile the top card of your library with Agony's yeah. Awakening. I don't think the Bolas' Citadel deck is playing any of the seven mana ones. Um, sorry, one other quick thing. Seagate Restoration, four, set four, triple blue, sorcery, draw cards with number hand plus one. Uh, potential. That, that, here's the question. You, as a person who's played this, potential show and tell inclusion just because it is a land that pitches to forces that also is a payoff card with omniscience. Like, so, but how yeah, many, I, again, I, how many? Yeah. I think that that's the type of thing that's worth testing and seeing if just naturally hitting more of your land drops so you can cantrip towards action and um, counter magic as opposed to having to ever cantrip for lands. What that does, like, if for, for anybody who has played a lot of cantrip style decks, based on the type of deck that you are, your cantrips are usually looking for whatever your bottleneck is. And Seagate Restoration in your deck, although underpowered on its face, is probably still good enough if you have an omniscience, assuming that you're not hellbent um, or like too low. And being able to uh, open, like expand that bottleneck of mana, since most of those decks are around 18 to 19 lands usually, uh, sometimes 20 if they play beside you, that this could just take you up to you know, your 23 land count, and then you can naturally hit your land drops all the time. And even if they come into play tapped, that's fine. But the fact that it has the option to come into play untapped and then just win you the game because you don't really care because you're showing telling, that's also good. So I I think that's worth testing because I don't know if the front face side is worth it. Uh, Although the the side of getting your natural land count up higher is in that type of deck. Well, we'll see if there's anything else that emerges... I guess my point would be like, I don't think the spell side of these is making any waves in Legacy. If it's making waves in Legacy, it's, be, it's simply because they're broken. It's yeah. a land that's not. Yep. Yeah. Let's move on to a card that you and I have uh, been, well, you have been playing and I've been defending. Seagate Stormcaller, one and a blue for Creature Human Wizards, a 2 1 kicker, four and a blue. When Seagate Stormcaller enters the battlefield, copy the next instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost two or less. You cast this turn when you cast it. If Seagate Stormcaller was kicked, you copy it twice instead and can choose new, t- new targets. I actually, I, I waded into some controversy by saying, hey, I think this card is good. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of surprised more people aren't talking about it because, it, because it's, it's blue. It's a blue creature, you know? So like, you know, it's a two mana creature and it gives you a free spell. And a lot of things do that and are played like Dreadhorde Arcanist being the biggest one right now. But, but it's, it, it occupies this weird space between Dreadhorde Arcanist and Snapcaster Mage and, I guess, this card. Like, there's like the, the, the three cards that you want to compare to each other, but they're not really anything alike. This, this card is our democracy just in, into game form. It, it, it was so polarizing out of nowhere for no reason. Um, <laughs> This this um, this card is good. I'm going to take this. I'm I'm, I'm going to take the stance. Uh, I'm going to be the liberal here. This card is good, and I know because I've played it. And I think that the 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 thing that is 
causing people to think that this isn't a good card. Like, it's not insane. It's not broken. It's not going to be your $70 Snapcaster when it was first released, whatever. The problem, though, is that this has so many stats and, like, the aesthetic of Snapcaster that people compare it to Snapcaster. It, it is so functionally different for the, in, in the decks that would want to play a card like this from Snapcaster. Snapcaster has flash. That means that it, can, it works with counter magic. It, it, it allows you to pick and choose when you want to play what and be reactive. Stormcaller does not let you play reactive. Stormcaller is proactive. It's saying cast this and then cast another spell. Like you have to be playing a proactive style deck. Otherwise, this card is not going to be good, right? If you're, putting this card, if you're putting this card in your deck with Spell Pierce, you're doing it wrong. But this card, uh, so I was, if you want to watch this card in action and see it be good, Go over to 90s MTG's YouTube channel. Watch the, the, the games that I played with um, Bolas and Citadel with this card. I used this card alongside Cabal Therapy. It was insane. I used this card alongside Culling the Week and to just generate a massive amount of mana. Mm -hmm. That was also good. And what I found, this, this, is, this is probably the, the coolest part that I found. When I built this Bolas of Citadel Seagate Stormcaller deck, I've been calling it the Epic Stormcaller. Yeah. Um, this deck, what because you want see, you're using Seagate Stormcaller, and I was using Culling the Week, which made me want um, some more creatures. So I put in Baleful Strixes because Seagate Stormcaller says that you need at least three mana to do anything, right? Cast this for two mana, cast another spell, obviously one mana, you get to double up that spell. Unless you're getting a free spell like Cabal Therapy. But if you think to yourself, okay, this is a three mana spell, similar to Snapcaster, but it, this three mana spell, you're going to cast it, you're going to you're going to double up that you want to be able to get to three mana reliably, which let me think, okay, you want to have a more stable mana base. So I was playing it just straight blue-black deck. I had four basics in my deck. It was fantastic against uh, anybody that would try and mess with your mana base, which is usually a soft spot for other combo decks. And it was great. The thing that I found with this card was it made me not need LEDs. And I think this card could open... Like, I came up with a, a, a Bullet Citadel Doomsday deck using this card by myself in a couple of hours at my desk in quarantine, right? <laughs> if, if there was any amount of people that were looking to iterate that kind of design, you could find a brand new uh, Storm deck that uh, functions as a more stable type of combo deck because you don't need to win. You can play through uh, Veil of Summer because you, you just have, you have the Doomsday package in your deck. Um, and you have a more stable mana base and you have things like Baleful Strix and removal and a bunch of like excess discard where you just have all of these Cabal Therapies because you're doubling them up with Stormcaller. It, it is a more interactive, stable uh, combo deck. And I think that would appeal to a lot of people, especially if they don't have LEDs. Um, the other thing about this card that I found to be very good is it is a flex card that you can decide when you want to use it. So if you want additional disruption, it's additional disruption. If you want fast mana, you can Dark Ritual or Culling the Week uh, for mm -hmm. fast mana. And then there were games where you just, you just double up a Ponder, or if the game is going long on your stable mana base, which it can, and you just go uh, cast this Brainstorm after your, uh, the copy of the Brainstorm resolves, crack your fetch, Brainstorm again. Like, those, that, those are backbreaking sequences. So for the, 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 the biggest plays of the deck, when I was like, okay, this is interesting, is this plus Dark Ritual is six mana, that's Bolas and Citadel. This with a uh, Culling the Week gives you eight mana, 
right? So you go from three, you're at three mana, cast this, calling the week, you have eight mana, you can dark petition. Dark petition will uh, have spell mastery, which will put you back to six mana, which means you can tutor up your bolus of Citadel and put it directly into, into play. So uh, there are just like natural sequences that are just game ending on turn three with a calling the week or a dark ritual. And that's the sign of a card that it's good early, it's good late, it's good with all of the cards that you want it with. This card is good. And I think anybody who is saying that it's not is just a little narrow-minded thinking that it doesn't slot into something that is just already in the format. Right. It takes, it's, it's taking you some work. And it's funny because, like, it was you, the, you were the one who was like, oh, so this just makes eight mana with Culling the Week. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Of course, the fact that there have been cards that have this effect, right? Usually, the, usually they cost two red mana, first of all, right? So, of course, they've never been meaningfully tested, right? They're also not creatures, right? Something like this can play right through Athalia, of course, you know. Um, it also is a creature which is a, which is a permanent that becomes a resource for certain other under-costed cards, so you can get that, you know, converted mana cost two or less effect, you know, something like you mentioned calling the week, uh, not that you would, not that anyone's tried this quite yet, but something like Diabolic Intent is a double tutor, so Neoform is a double tutor, and there is a, there is a win off Neoform with this, right? Where you get spike feeder and uh, that that um, new Heliod, new Heliod. Yep, that's just that, 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 that. If you were to go Neoform into the new Heliod and spike feeder, that wins through two removal spells. Yeah, because Neoform puts a counter on the spike feeder. Yep. Um. So, like th- that, that was all stuff that, and but like that, even that is not even not that I think like this is something that's going to happen, but I, I was just like, so wait, um. I am sitting, I'm, I've, I've put two creatures into play. My opponent's going to play two cards, get rid of both my creatures and have a 2-1 on the same turn, right? As I was like, they're just going to like double bolt my stuff or double swords my stuff or, you know, bolt bolt my Oko or whatever it is, right? Just get something off the table and then have this and then have a thing left behind, almost like a Snapcaster or like they're going to double, they're going to hit me for my whole hand. Like there's so many things you can do with this card. I was just, I, like I said, I was just surprised that people did not, I think people just didn't, don't really, it, it's hard to env- envision. And even with Dreadhorde Arcanist was spoiled, we had a lot of that too, where it's like, oh, so what? You get another ponder every turn, big deal. Like, turns out that's a pretty big deal, right? Like every time you cast a ponder, you're doing extra damage. Every time you cast a card or can't try out of your yard for free, that's extra damage, right? Everything you do for free is just adding more advantage. And this card is just, I was, all I saw was like, huh, well, that's a free bolt. So that's like three mana, do six, and have a two two one in play. I'll Dude, take. I, 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 we haven't even gone down the rabbit hole of this card plus ephemerate. Yeah, ephemerate where you blink it right, and you can blink two things. Like, I don't know. I mean, you whatever. Blink it, and then you blink on the rebound. Yeah, well, but that will copy. That will then get. To, and it's it's it seems nutty. I mean, you go Dreadhorde Arcanist on turn two. Turn three, you play this. You flashback. Whatever you flashback to the Dreadhorde gets copied. If you, you know, because, because of that. Like, it doesn't even have to be from your hand, right? You could, you could flashback something from your graveyard somehow with this. I, yeah, I, the, the, the common thing of, like, this plus Cabal Therapy on turn three means that you just are probably mind-twisting them because you're going to get three copies of Cabal Therapy and the second two are going to have perfect information. Yep. You get... Yeah, I mean that. It, I just, I just was sort of surprised. I mean, there's a lot. Again, it's going to take some time, though. This is, this is, this is sort of a puzzle. There's a, it's a, it's a big sequencing question, right? Like sequencing is a really difficult skill that a lot of people can mess up, 
and uh, it, it's not it's not just straight up like it's obvious what to do here. But yes, I agree. This card is good. And I think this card is probably one of the better cards in the set, and uh, it just it, it, people just need to start getting the creative juices flowing. This is a powerful enough effect to to spawn new archetypes. Anything else we got here? Uh, I think we can uh, talk about Scourge of the Skyclaves real quick. How far down is that? Scourge of the Skyclaves is one in a blue, or one in a black, rather, for a creature demon. It's a star star. It is kick or four in a black. Uh, when you cast a spell, if it was cacked, ca- uh, kicked, each player loses half their life rounded up. Scourge of the Skyclaves' power and toughness are each equal to 20 minus the highest life total among players. Now, remind me how this works. If it's in your graveyard or library and it's a star that matters right like you my my understanding is that it's it, it's star star is just representative of whatever it is so like let's say both players are at 10 this would be a 10 10 um in your library or graveyard in your library as well it's a 10 10 everywhere it's like goyf so you can't just like you know recruit the guard for it whenever you want yeah that's how right. goyf works exactly yeah. okay so let's just get that out of the way you like this card in some way. So I was really low. On, I'm 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 uh, medium on this card, but I was I was when I first saw it, I was like trash, right? Because yeah. it cares about your opponent's life total. But then I was thinking about it, and I'm like, well, your your parallel here has to be what Goyf, right? Mm-hmm. Five six, two men of five six, which means that both players would have to be at fifteen, and this would be a five five. The format though really is about six sixes right yeah so if you think that both once both players are at 14 this is a six six for two mana you're never kicking it that's blank text you all, he's, he is he's a vanilla beater um i think that in a deck that where so obviously the the um analogy that people used was this is a, a death shadow card potentially um and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, you know, getting in a couple of hits in a Death Shadow deck where if you like, if you hit them with Delver once, right, and you're already on like fetch, shock yourself, whatever. Yeah, cycle streamer. Then it, it's, already, it's already a two mana three, three after you've gotten in a hit. So I don't know if it's a four of in any of those decks, but in a world where Gurmag Angler is just outclassed because five, five is not six, six. I could see this coming in as something that just becomes bigger than everything else. And then since the Death Shadow decks are already interested in having your Berserk or your red card that gives your big thing trample anyway, mm-hmm. that this could slot in. So I was off of it for a while. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, maybe all of the pieces of the puzzle in a world where this would be good are actually lining up because Gurmag is not good enough anymore because Uro exists. Uh, if you're playing your other fat beaters to try and hit their life total aggressively, so you're obviously in an aggressive deck, then you can try and offset or race the three life that they would be getting off of an Uro because they're not advancing their, their board, really. And then I was like, this is a two of just being a two mana seven seven might be good enough. I don't, I don't know. That's why I'm medium on it. But I, was, I, I, I'm, I am no longer as cold on it as I was when it first got spoiled. It's relevant that it doesn't get hit by Chalice in a way too, like just being a big thing that's a two minute. I don't know. I can't, I can't, the, the thing is like, I think about what I'd have to do to parse this card. I'd have to be like, okay, so it's 20 minus, I'm at this, they're at this. 
like okay so there's it's, it's where they are but if i if, if i hit them with this and it becomes my life total is the highest life total and it becomes this number like uh whatever so maybe you're right i'm, I'm not gonna play this card because i don't think about it i the only thing i could think of was is that, so if it's 20 minus the highest life total among players if there's somebody like put yourself to 50 so it's like a negative 30 negative 30 and that somehow becomes something in your graveyard like you do something weird with it but i couldn't well, think of it may- it's like like a world where you just take the 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 good parts of death shadow and then the fast parts of burn yep maybe there's a new deck maybe yep that that's what people have said it's a black red death shadow deck which is possible that could use this card which would be great if it could it's also good the kind of thing where you can play like symmetrical effects that ping you both like anko mishra and then, like, you have this thing that just pulls you so far ahead after they've had to play around that or something. But we haven't seen an on for in a while. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Anything else here? Anything else? Belladar Retreat, we can do a real quick uh, thing. The talk is that this might be better at, in any deck that would be interested in um, going long and grinding where you would consider Gideon Ally of Zendikar. You might want to consider Felidar Retreat. Three and a white for an enchantment. Landfall. Whenever a land enters a benefit under your control, choose one. Create a 2-2 white cat beast creature token or put a plus one, plus one count on each creature you control. These creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. Three and a white enchantment. Long game. Yeah. I, so, I, show me a deck that wants to do that, to, that wants to cast a three and a white enchantment. That makes so it much the, <laughs> Yeah. The, 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 the things that this hit, it would, it would be in a particular field. But being white means that it doesn't get hit by Pyroblast. We have seen um, in, in the past when Gideon was good, obviously now the world is like three threes and six sixes and not two twos. Yeah. Um, but in the past, when you had Gideon making two twos, you would often have to be just chumping because you want to protect your Gideon when they attack it. With this one, we've seen when uh, lands just make two twos is good in a world like Field of the Dead. Yep, that's a good point. So, so, so there's a lot of things that this card does that have been historically proven to be good enough um, in a format where those things are matter, right? Like when the games are going long enough that just every land making a 2-2 is important. And the fact that these stack, it's, I mean, there's, I would say that this is a reasonable sideboard card for decks that are just looking to get value off of literally anything. And it's a tough permanent to deal with. Can't hit, get hit by Abrupt Decay, can't get Pyroblasted. It, it's, it's, it's a difficult to remove permanent that generates, it turns all of your cards into value. Um, let's talk for a second about Charks, the Raging Isle, two blue blue for legendary creature Leviathan Crab. Spells your opponent's cast to target Charks, the Raging Isle costs two more to cast. Three Charks gets plus X minus X until end of turn where X is the number of islands you control. It's a zero seventeen. But I think seventeen is the biggest number on a power and, and on a power toughness. Is it? No, there was there was um there was an Eldrazi. That was a 2020 that uh, was like 10 mana. You get a card from outside the game or something. No, no, it's that 20 was... mana. It's a, it's a 20 mana. T- it's like a 3-3 three, three that lets you get 20 mana. Let's see if it's even oh, oh, okay. greater than 17 or greater than 16 pops up anything. Nope, just the infinity elemental. So let's go with toughness. And yep, just this. So this is the highest power or toughness on a card that's printed on a card it's not for example uh your friend scores of skyclaves uh if both people are one is a 1919 but that's not the point the point is it's printed yeah, yeah. so you've got a 017 
that that seems like a combo piece waiting to happen. I think we should we should just make people aware that it exists. Yeah, if 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 this was anything that cares about toughness, it's the unfortunate thing is that if a card cared about toughness to like deal damage or something, it's not twenty. So it might just be something where it's like it's the closest thing, but not quite. This is just making me think of the times where I've tried to make veto plus nourishing show. There you go. Work and the biggest thing is a fifteen mana card, and you're like, wow, fifteen is not twenty. Fifteen is not twenty. Yeah, this uh, has also got the unfortunate side effect of uh, it will never be cast in Legacy. <laughs> it will only ever be a combo piece if it sees any play at all. Yes, unless the combo is like to about face it or something, but we'll see. Uh, probably not. Um, Yo, it, w- it would be so funny if somebody's like, "Wow, this costs two more." Okay, I'm gonna twist it, image it, and still be uh, converting uh, a mana advantage. <laughs> right. Um. Anything else on that line there? No. Anything on the next, next line? Shadow's Verdict. Three black black. Sorcery. Exile all creatures and planeswalkers with converted mana cost three or less from the battlefield and all creature and planeswalker cards with converted mana cost three or less from all graveyards. This has to be just a <laughs> Snowco breaker. It's a Snowco mirror breaker. Yep. What? Uh, it, too bad it's three black black. I don't know, man. Like, the, the, you get you get to the games that are long enough. Nobody's messing up your mana in the mirrors. Like if this is just a sideboard card, if it's ever drawn, it's just going to be like game ending. Um, you can like build your deck to have it work with Jace the Mind Sculptor, and I don't know. In in those games that go long, people are casting their Shark Typhoons for a do nothing mana enchantment to go. But this like, this would just blow out a Shark Typhoon because it would kill you. Yeah, shark. like you, you'll 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 get to be able to cast Shadow's Verdict. And I think if you care about Snowco Mirrors, this is going to be the thing in your board that'll just... This, this, this thing will catch you up, hear all of the advantage, and either put you back to parity or if you are building around it, put you ahead. Yep. Um, Archon of Ameria, two and a white. For a creature Archon, it's a two, three with flying. Each player can't cast more than one spell each turn. Non-basic lands your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. That's a lot of hate text on a flying 2-3. I like it. Um, I'm sure it'll see some play um, in some Yeah, this is one of those... It's a, it's a hate... It's another hate bear style card that just, like, has hate text on it with, like, some stats. Yeah. And I, I will say this, it's, though. It's, I, I will say this, though. Non-basic lands your opponent's control under the battlefield tapped. When Thalia Heretic Cathar came out, I did try building the deck where you spell your heretic Cathar, get one into play real fast, and then like, you know, wasteland everyone's fetch lands and everything. Like that's a that's a real piece of that's a real line of text in the fetch land format. Oh, this this being not legendary and having like the addition of having um rule of law on it as well. And being a flyer. And being a flyer, like this is definitely better than all of those other cards. It's just a matter of it being like not really exciting. Yeah, and the decks that are that have played those other cards will just happily take an upgrade, and that's kind of it. Yeah, okay, I, right. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I know I, it's like maybe this. I, I think this will see some play, and it's not exciting is the best way to put it. Just because, like, ah, oh, it's got a bunch of it's got a bunch of stuff on it. Uh, Skyclave Shade, one in a black for a creature shade. It's a three one. It's got tick picker two in a black. Uh, it can't block if it was kicked. It enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. Landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under control, a Skyclave Shade is in your graveyard and it's your turn. You may cast it from your graveyard this turn. I just feel like we have to mention Landfall allowing you to cast a card from your graveyard. So 
I have fallen into the trap of thinking that these like uh, two one and three one can't block recursive creatures are, you know, can always find a home and decks that are interested in having like some form of graveyard mill style, yeah. whatever. And I have found the pattern that the ones that make it are the ones that cost no mana to return. And the ones that don't are the ones that cost any mana to return outside of the exception of Gravecrawler. Yep. So good point there. This is going to cost you two mana. So not great. Uh, like if you wanted this, why? Like we're we're in the world where you've had, uh, what's that artifact from Kaladesh? Scrap heap scrounger. You've had scrap heap scrounger this whole time. <laughs> like, yeah, but that makes you exile your, your other your other uh, recursive creatures from the grave. This requires you to have a land. This requires you to have a land. That's true. Um, this won't see any play. But you have lands. Yeah, you won't see any play. Okay. Uh, anything else up here? Uh, I think glass glass pool mimic is cool, but it, it, yeah, it won't see play. Oh yeah, it's, that's a clone for things you control. It's a clone um, with that's a land, yeah. yeah it's clone. It's a, it's clone. It's a land. Um, let's see. Okay, I don't think there's anything left until we get to this card, which I cannot wait to talk about. I could have done the whole podcast on this card. Magmatic. Channeler. Take it away. Magmatic channeler. One in a red creature human, which is a one three. As long as there are four or more instant car- and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, Magmatic Chandler gets plus three, plus one. Tap, discard a card, colon. Exile the top two cards of your library, then choose one of them. You may play that card this turn. So, Phil, so glad you're on because you're going you're gonna to love this breakdown. I've been working on it all day. This is part of an interesting family of creatures that, of which there are, I think this will be the fourth one. Those other creatures are Knight of the Reliquary, Elvish Reclaimer, and Fiend Artisan, where they every they are above rate power toughness wise, conditionally right, but they're generally above rate power toughness wise. They have a tap ability, and you're choosing every turn whether or not to attack with your nice efficient creature or activate its pretty sweet ability. And Knight of the Reliquary is played a lot. Elvish Reclaimer has played quite a bit. I've, we've given Fiend Artisan a try. I think it's a playable card that doesn't have a home yet. And then we got this one. I love these kinds of cards. They just are such an interesting puzzle. I think this card's good. But I can't... I, I just feel like it's good. This card's excellent. It's Magus of, the, it's Magus of Light Up the Stage. It's, it's, well, yeah, I was actually, it's a, it's a sleight of hand every turn, right? If there was, if this, if this was an artifact that was tap, sleight of hand, tap, discard a card, sleight of hand. I mean, that would find a home. This card for two mana is an enabler, a a card advantage engine, and a threat. Right. It's gotta be good. And also, it's, 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 it's. Likely going to it, it, it will likely come down as a two mana four four that then when you untap gives you a, a, an absurd amount of possibilities and you can also stack your deck. You have ponder, you have brainstorm, you can do things where you can clear chafe and get a spell you want. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to have a for zero a, mana for zero mana like for zero the, mana. The, you just card a card. card is so much better than like I, I, I think. The fact that you have to like rummage, you have to discard first. But if this is on the table, it means that no card off the top of your deck is ever going to be bad. 
Right. That's that's what I was thinking too. It's like, okay, you got to discard a card. Well, you draw a card every turn. So here's what happens. You either draw a card and it's good, in which case you attack with your 4-4 and play the good card, right? Or you draw a card and it's bad, and so you just get to sleight of hand it. You also got to remember that in the world we live in, three threes are king. And this card's a 4-4. This card's a 4-4 when it's got four more instant sorcery cards, which is not that hard to get. No, you, you're, you're, yes, you're not going to get it on turn two, but like, you, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll have, you'll, you'll have half of your threshold fairly easily. Mental note. Well, I guess not. That's you not don't it. even need to work that hard. <laughs> like, how about ponder, brainstorm, bolt? Yeah. Like, you, we're, we're there. It's like the, the front half clause is, is interesting because it will be something that matters and that your opponents get to interact with. Like, if you are thinking, oh, wow, they have exactly four, and if I cling to dust here, and they're like, okay, I need to be able to think about how do I play around that? Do I want to, you know, sequence my spells differently so that way I don't get caught? Like, that is just fun, interesting text. Yeah. I think that there's, um, I think that there's, well, is it some ten- there's some tension here with, like, like you said, those, like, a, like, a, like an escape effect or, Delve effect or even Dreadhorde Arcanist or Snapcaster Mage where it's pulling things out of your graveyard, right? Um, so maybe this has a home... Like, the thing is, like, this, this effect is still good indexed with those cards, so maybe it sees a home alongside them. Maybe well, the thing it's... Is, yeah, I mean, the, 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 you and I are both Phoenix fans, and I, I know that uh, yeah. this was getting a lot of hype with Phoenix. But I, 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 just to tag off what you said real quick, is that the having other cards that eat your graveyard, those things aren't... That, that, that's not, I, I feel like we don't need to worry too much about that. Like, that has been a, a, a mechanic, if you will, of other historically very good cards for, a, for a, like, Goyf has existed in that space for, for mm-hmm. forever. I get that Goyf is outclassed now, but... Not like, really. It's the, in the best deck. The, 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 no, I mean, well, Rug is, like, on Hoodoo Mandrels instead of, yeah. instead of Goyf or whatever. But, like, with this card, it's like, you have the option, right? Like, if you want a 4-4 don't eat your graveyard. But if you don't need a 4-4 and you're just interested in getting whatever payoff you're getting for getting rid of cards out of your graveyard, then this thing is still just going to be a sleight of hand every turn. So for zero mana. So it's like you have the options to choose what role you need to be playing and being like, okay, I need to be a beater or I need to be a card advantage. Right? Yeah. And that's the same thing. So it's like a couple of times, every once in a while you'll ask me, wait, why doesn't Maverick just play like one stage and one death of the Fortnite Reliquary? And the answer to that is that if you tap a Knight of the Reliquary twice just to attack, you probably win the game, right? You don't need to tap it. Like, you, yes, you'll definitely win the game with, uh, with depths and stage, but maybe you, you won't, right? Um, and it's just like extra steps. But this is this, it's, that same kind of, it's that same kind of choice. Like, it's not bad to do it that way. Right, just like it's not bad, it's not it's not going to kill you to have depths and stage your deck, but you don't, might not need it. And the same thing with this, like it's not going to kill you to have Dreadhorde Arcanist in a, in a deck with this, right? Yeah. Because you just make you just choose, you know, or you exile lands to something like a Hooting Mandrels or something like that. Um, but even then, it's still a one three. It's not even a one one. It's a one three. Like this thing it, is going to this thing blocks Thalia under rest in peace. All, all of the like, there, there's nothing bad about this card. The the, the thing that I it gets it, around Narset on top of that. What I think is going to be cool with um, this card in actual play patterns is it's going to give the pilot enough flexibility to play whatever role they need to be playing 
So if you want to be playing proactively, you can discard your stuff as an enabler, or you can look for more threats proactively, or you can look for reactive spells if you, or, or um, an answer or something if you need to as well. And having just free discard in your deck, uh, being able to convert cards that would otherwise be dead in certain matchups into cards that matter is a big game and something that's really important for the types of decks that would be playing these kinds of cards. Yeah. I, you know, I totally just being agree. able to, to turn your, your removal spell against a, a, a combo deck into... A Thoughtseize. Literally any, yeah, anything that can interact with them is going to be a, a huge payoff for you. Yeah, exactly. this card's so great, I, of course. This card's great. It's going, to be, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to play around with it. So we'll see. Um, Legion Angel, two, two white, white, creature angel words, a 4-3 with flying. When Legion Angel enters the battlefield, you may reveal a card you own named Legion Angel from outside the game and put it into your hand. Um, I was considering just, just uh, playing Angel Stompy just to do that. Yep. <laughs> Sounds fun. I think that's like that. That is the home, right? I mean, the the, the stats for this card—it's like it, it, it was hitting on so many axes, and then it was just off by being three toughness. It's like, all right, can't get abrupticate. Sweet, draws you a card when it comes in. Reasonable threat in the air, awesome. And then it's like, cool, dies the bolt, but it does net you a card. But it's like the 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 it, it would be good against the decks. Obviously, that uh, a four three that draws a four three would be good. And that's, that's the, th but the thing is, is that at four mana, there's just other things, there's more powerful things you can be doing. So if this were a square stats, like if this was a four, 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 that drew a four, four, yeah, yes. may, maybe there's a, a world where you're like, yeah, that's just better for a control deck. Um, but otherwise, I think Angel Stompy is about, about where it'll go. Yeah, you get another Angel next turn. So the question is, what do you, what's your split on this? You put One, two in wait, your... so three in the board. You don't three want to... The... Why would you ever want to naturally draw more than one of these things? That's true. You don't ever want to naturally draw more than one of them. And anybody who's well, like, the yeah, second no, one, you, you get the second you, one. You, you, want to, you want to be able to find... You, you want to draw this enough so you can actually get the... No, three and one. Get out of here with it. Get, if, you're, if, if, you're, if you're interested in playing this card, you're, you're, you're not interested in your sideboard. <laughs> like, you just play three one. Don't, don't, if you ever what do you need a sideboard for? You're you going you're, you're to open two legions, angels, and, and just want to concede immediately. It's still a four three for four. Confounding conundrum, one in a blue enchantment. When confounding conundrum enters the battlefield, draw a card. Okay, strap in. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player had another land enter the battlefield under their control this turn, they return a land they control to its owner's hand. So this card is sort of like a... There's, there's a bunch of old cards from like Prophecy that do stuff like this that I have never seen play. But it's this is two mana draws a card, hoses fetch lands on your opponent, your opponent's fetch lands. It, it, it doesn't. The thing is, is, like it doesn't even hose fetch lands. It just it, it slows them down, but it doesn't actually tax them. And you having to have spent two mana and not impacting the board means that them getting tempoed, if you will, by having to fetch on your turn as opposed to their turn doesn't really matter. Um, and this and multiples can kind of get interesting when they have to pick up multiple lands, but they can also just choose to not put multiple lands into play. Like this card would have been so, so interesting. The confounding conundrum would have been so interesting if it just didn't say under your opponent's control. If it just said, if this was just symmetrical, you could have done so many fun shenanigans with like extra, um, 
land plays and just picking up a bunch of lands and doing some shenanigans and figuring out how to make it work. It would have been uh, off. This, this yeah. card was like so close to being such a, a compelling Johnny card. And they were just like, how about it's just unplayable instead? How about it's just, it's just some like release valve we're putting in there for something we're going to do. It's funny I mean, against, it, it, funny against it, it's, Titan. I, I think it's for like, this is more so the, the type of card that they put in standard for, to like slow down the, the landfall deck, you know? Yeah, like I don't, I didn't see a lot of. Things I don't know. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that was the point. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about coveted prize? Let me know. Let me just say that I am upset that they were like, yeah, each creature in your party can only uh, be one of the things in your party, because I immediately upon seeing this card went and got four moth dust changeling, because I was like, I'm gonna go turn on moth dust changeling, pedal. Crack pedal for black, play coveted plies, put Jace the Mind Sculptor into play, and that is going to be what I do for the rest of my life. So I guess that they did save me from that. But, like, man, is it unintuitive to be like, yeah, each creature can only rep represent one of your party. Because the actual text says your party consists of up to one of each creature, cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard. It doesn't say that they have to be four different. I think one each is implying that, but yeah, it's just, it's not, it wasn't very clear. And th th that's never, yeah, like that's never been a clause anywhere else. Like if you ever had something that was like a wizard and a fairy, and the, if a card cared about wizards and fairies, that fairy wizard would count. Yeah, well, party, they had to do it that way because otherwise almost every card they, well, not almost every card, but a bunch of cards would be would have just been busted right off the top in any format with changelings. Dude, just mutable go, is like yeah. Turn <laughs> mutable pedal catch chase the mind sculptor. Oh yeah. my god! So yeah. it would have been so sweet. Yeah, it would have been sweet. I, I think that um, so coveted prize four and a black. It costs one less a cast for each creature in your party, um, and it lets you search your library for a card, put it into your hand, and shuffle your library. If you have a full party, you may cast a spell with converted mana cost four or less from here without paying its mana cost. After we got after we were done uh, caterwauling to ourselves about how much it sucked that we couldn't do the moth dust changeling trick. Um, I still actually kind of thought like, well, you know what, if you got like a wizard and like, you can probably get a cleric and a wizard to play and it's just three minutes monic tutor. Like maybe someone does that. I don't know. Or maybe there's I like, mean, a if, if you're interested in just having it, like the, the payoff for this card has to be four or less. Right. So if you're just, it doesn't have to be, you just, you know, I don't know. Like, you're, there, there's just better tutors to be playing if you just want a tutor. Like, yeah, doing maybe the work there is. to just get a tutor isn't there. I didn't doing think. I didn't think for like, thirty seconds about it. So, yeah, doing doing the work to just have this be additional copies of your impactful uh, CMC four or less spell that you want. If you're in a deck that, uh, so essentially, if you think the baseline is, I have a wizard. Right, this is a four CMC spell. The fact that it lets you then cast whatever spell that you were to get for free means that it's just functionally an additional copy of whatever that card is. So if you're interested in having like copies five through eight of something that was really impactful in that way, this could see play if that deck also just happens to have uh, conveniently any of the creature types that it cares about. Um, I'm off this line. That's then. about it. Yeah, I'm off this line. Anything until we get to Valakut Exploration? Uh, no. Valakut Exploration, two and a red for an enchantment landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card for as long as it remains exiled. But at the beginning of your end step, if there are cards exiled with Valakut Exploration, 
put them into their owner's graveyard, then Balakut Exploration deals that much damage to each opponent. Um, so if you get this in play, then you make a, make a land drop. Like, you get this into play, you pass, your opponent passes back, you make a land drop. Now you exile a card. Now you're deciding whether or not to play it, and if you don't play it, it's one damage to your opponent. Uh, there have been the chatter I've heard about this, like maybe like a sideboard card for lands, just like a card advantage engine that also fills your graveyard and damages your opponent. Um, plus, you're playing a lot of lands every turn. It's a cool design. I've heard that this card is the real deal from people who have actually cast it and played with it. Uh, the extent that I saw this card was I was like, man, I hope uh, the people who have four fast bonds are looking for a good time. But I, I, didn't, I didn't really go too far beyond that. But in terms of uh, this card seeing play in Legacy, the people who have cast it in lands have, have admitted that it's the real deal. So I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> have seen it. Like the three mana do nothing, need additional land, and then have a, a, a narrow window to um, cast the cards. I think it's because it's, it allows you to play lands off of it because you can play the card, not cast the card. So yep. I think that's probably what puts it over the top is that it's just you know, every land draws a land and that's good in lands. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's the fast bond thing for vintage is actually kind of interesting. I actually had that thought myself a little bit like, Oh, I'm just going to like plow through my entire deck. Uh, on, well, you also have but, a thing where if, if, but if your vintage. life total, if your life total is higher than their life total and you have fast bond, uh, this with an Oboro is just a kill. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, you, you, got, you got to draw into weird stuff like um, like Children of Coralist to keep going and stuff like that, too. But anyway. No, no, no. If your life total is higher No, no, I'm just saying. Total. No, I'm, yeah, I know. Uh, that works. But if it's not the case, then there's like, you got to have some other backup plan than be ahead and then cast this. You know what I mean? Be ahead oh, and yeah, assemble yeah, your combo. Yeah. yeah. That's, this also just being, this, this with Fast Bond just also being, um, uh, which one? A Yog Bargain? Not bad. Yeah. Uh, let's get down to Nighthawk Scavenger. Lotus Cobra. Well, we we don't know. Yeah. We got we got we got cards in this line. Nighthawk Scavenger, one black black creature, Vampire Rogue. Oh come on! Get Flying, out Death Touch, Life Link. Nighthawk Nighthawk Scavenger's power is equal to one plus number of card types among cards in your opponent's graveyard. I just think it's funny that they used that um that Goyf templating, and then made it an X three, so that it just gets bolted. But whatever it gets bolted it also only cares about what's in your opponent's graveyard so it's like you can't proactively do anything unless you're putting bad cards in your deck this card was was like had everything about this card has the makings of a good card and then they just were like how about we just take all of the good aspects about it and tweak them so that it, it's bad yeah <laughs> um, let, let me tell you though let me tell you this is on the cusp of being uh, questing beast amounts of text yeah right right um, I actually don't have anything else on this, so they did reprint Lotus Cobra, which is pretty cool. Love me a Lotus Cobra. Soul Shatter, two and a black for an instant. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker with the highest converted mana cost among creatures and planeswalkers they control. Now nah, this isn't any good. Uh, Roiling Vortex, one and a red enchantment. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, Roiling Vortex does one damage to them. When ever a player casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, Roiling Vortex deals five damage to that player. Red, colon. Your opponents can't gain life this turn. I like this card quite a bit. I think this card looks amazing, but isn't as good as it seems because it essentially is just a lock piece. 
similar to any of the other lock pieces against the decks that it's hoping to lock. And it will not actually generate that, that like that five damage clause isn't ever actually going to deal damage. It's just going to prevent them from casting their spells until they remove it the way they would remove whatever other lock piece you had. So the fact that it's a red enchantment that does ping, like, and does like have some sort of. Yeah, this is like, instead of, this is, when I see this card, I see it as the deafening silence for like burn and blue red delver. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think that matters though, because like the, totally. the, the second, the second uh, collector oof was printed, like the, the matchup between any green, like any green sun Zenith deck and storm changed forever because now you have like, you know, yes, like you always had Gaddock Teague sort of, but Gaddock Teague, um, you know, had different vulnerabilities than a collector oof, right? And it's just like that, that just, kind of it changed a lot of stuff so i think think that like introducing this kind of card into an ecosystem that's that's where where when you play a deck that like storm or whatever that is going to be impacted by this because you have a dependency on cards like lotus petal and lion's eye diamond um you know that that just sort of changes the 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 uh, calculus of what they need to have against certain decks right and that changes a lot that changes everything yeah. 100% this is going to see play. It's just not going to change uh, like play patterns in any way because that, that deal dam that five damage clause is just never going to come up. But it does mean that um, the combo players that are, this is going to be cast against are going to have to bring their, uh, you know, abrupt decays or echoing truths in against decks that they previously probably wouldn't have. Yep. Um, another note that it does shut off all the forces and well not shut off but you know adds attacks to all the forces and death uh death that dreadhorde arcanist all the things cast out of mana cost like there's a lot of that out hanging out there there might also be a world like maybe there's a, a combo since uh this turns off life gain for your opponents oh and i'm that uh you could do something like if i don't know if there's a a, a card or a class of cards that uh says both players gain a bunch of life and you can just shut that off so that it becomes a combo <laughs> card of some kind? Yes, actually, Aria of Flame was a thing I thought of. But it shuts off the Aria of Flame life gain on that turn, but then it makes a four-mana spell. I still I still kind of think, uh, which is pretty much the same as cast, uh, curving uh, Tybalt into Aria of Flame. Unfortunately, not, not much better there. Skyclave Apparition, this is a really good card. One white white creature, core spirit, 2-2, two, two, does not have flying. When Skyclave Corporation enters the battlefield, exile up to one target, non-land, non-token permanent you don't control with converting mana cost four or less. When Skyclave Operation leaves the battlefield, the exiled card's owner creates an XX blue illusion creature token where X is the converted mana cost of the exiled card. So this is a creature that kills something, and then when it's when it leaves, it gets their opponent, the opponent does not get the same card back, they get a some amount of creature, right? Um, and there's a lot of love out for this card. I think it's pretty good. It's 100% going to see play. I mean, it's it's a viable, viable to the extent that's a word, you know, unearthable even, like removal spell, right? And then the XX blue, like, actually the first time I read this, was kind of like, oh, that sucks because, like, you kill their Oko and then they just kill this with a lightning bolt and then they had a 3-3, you know? Like, but even then, like, you can deal with a 3-3 three, three token. Uh, 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 yeah, I, w I would say that the if you think, like, 
if this thing catches like a Sylvan library and then when it's gone, they get a tutu. But whatever you're catching in the current world we live in is going to be significantly better than them getting a vanilla beater on the back end. Right. I mean, I kind of was like, uh, like this, like, I guess like Swan Song is the card I was comparing this to. And I've seen a number of people die to the Swan Song token, but they don't get it automatically. They still have to spend a card or some sort of resource on killing this to do the that. Swan Song, the Swan Song, though, is usually in decks that can't defend a 2-2 flyer. Yeah. Skycap Apparitions is just going to show up in a bunch of decks that are going to be able to interact with a, a, a vanilla creature on the ground. Yep. Then I, then I got to, like, it kind of sucks that it doesn't hit anything over four, so you can't put this in off a of show-and-tell and hit an Omniscience or Grizzlebrand or Emrakul. Probably the only downside about it, though. You can't hit a, a Merit Lage. Like, but on the other hand, you're not, you're not hitting any of those other those cards with anything else that this would be played instead of. Like, you're never hitting one with the Council's Judgment. You're never hitting one with, a, you know, who knows what. But, like, so whatever, right? That You still need a better solution than that. Yeah, also, like, if it, this in any of the, the uh, vile decks where you, you just flick this, it just makes it so, like, if you have this and your uh, Soul Herder or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, it just makes it so that they no longer get to have permanence CMC for or less. Or they just get tokens, yeah, they just get tokens. But, that yeah. are, they're going to be outclassed, yeah. right? Hopefully, by Soul Herder, which is a big guy. Uh, Thieving Skydiver is one in a blue for a creature. Merfolk Rogue, it's a 2-1. This does have flying, by the way. It has Kicker X. X can't be zero. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you gain control of target artifact with converted mana cost X or less. If that artifact is an equipment, attach it to Thieving Skydiver. Dude, when this card... When, I saw this card came out, and then people were getting really high on it. They were like, yeah, give me that artifact. I'm like, everybody, for three mana, you've had DAC this whole time. Deck is cool. It doesn't attack for two in the air. And I think the, the, that's... I, if, if this card sees play, it's going to be a Stifle Knot variant, and you're going to put a Colossus Hammer into play on turn one, and then you're going to play this for three mana, you're going to circumvent the equip cost, and it's going to be a, a what, a 12-11. It'll lose flying, but it's a 12-11, and that's, that's, that's how far this, this card will go. Yep, I think that's what to expect. Sweet. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about Valakut Awakening. This is one of the spell yeah. lands. So the one side of it is just a, a comes into play tapped mountain. But this is two to red for an instant. Put any number of cards from your hand in the bottom of your library, then draw that many cards plus one. Like, it's a pretty cool effect. And yeah. this is the only place we're seeing it. So great. We have no idea. There, there's, a, there's a fling land where, where the one side is a fling for three mana, which leads me to believe that this could be a two mana card, a two mana instant with this effect. That card would, would see play. I don't know if this one will. I mean, this card will see play in all of the busted decks. It's really cool with land techs. <laughs> not, that that, that, not that that happens ever, but like, man, if this was a two mana card with land techs, I would, I would think about that. Just, you know, I'll draw four cards at least. Like well, turn card, one, Mox Simon Land Tax, turn two, land this, draw four, like whatever I, you know, putting all my lands on the bottom of my deck. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah, this is just like a, another one of those freebie cards in um, Belcher and Oops. Uh, because if you ever do just get to cast the Valakut Awakening, just getting to uh, reload your, uh, what's, what's the expert, wheel your hand essentially. Yeah. 
like that's that's fine because you're interested in just having it for the land. So yes. again, like this is, is this is a an effect that is uh, probably overpriced for what it is. But the fact that you're interested in just having the the land in the first place means that this will show up in the busted combo decks and probably kill you. Well, the thing was that like I don't think the effect isn't like super great because you have to have cards in your hand and you know. It is still like a three mana draw card in red for an, it's an instant, which I guess every color gets because of cycling. But like, um, what was I gonna say? Oh, just like it, it's it's like Luris, where it's like the effect is unique, and we don't know how many dials they turned on it to to make it fit with this weird set mechanic. And who knows? Like, it would be cool if this if we could just have this effect and see what it does. Anyway, um, now you do. Now we do, sort of, yes. I am just now we're we're sort of into the uh drafts cards. Yeah, I mean there's 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 several common and uncommons in this set that are gonna show up. Uh we just have to get down to them. Well, if you can think of one, let me know. I'm down pretty far. Oh, I mean uh, if you want to talk about if, if you want to talk about the uh the sorcery speed fatal push that can also be a hero's downfall. Yes, let's find that card. I thought I didn't realize. Uh, it's one black for sorcery as creature quick or two in a black destroy target creature planeswalker with converted mana cost two or less if the spell was kicked instead destroy target creature planeswalker that's pretty good i like it yeah it's functional it'll it'll show up it's a role player um uh, it's a good card not particularly are we gonna see a planeswalker thing? are we gonna see a planeswalker with converted mana cost two or less i don't know Adventure waits one in a green sorcery. I forgot about this card. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. One in a green for sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. If you didn't put a card into your hand this way, draw a card. So this is at least going to be a cycler with potential upside, which... There's just better versions of this, though. Yeah, like, it's like an- once upon a time, yeah. Ancient stirrings, once upon a time, both exist. Yep. Uh, it's during just being one mana and once upon a time being free and instant and stuff and getting lands anyway. Um, let's see. Still going. There's a two mana, uh, two mana instant speed preordain. Yeah, that's going to be great in every format that isn't legacy. Yep. I look very much forward to just putting that into every blue white, blue black control deck because uh, that's great. Just being able to hold up counter magic and then end step preordain. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I, I, I long for these for this future where we can get back to a store and do that. All right, let's talk about cleansing wildfire. Cleansing wildfire, you got it? Because I don't, I don't have it. Yeah, cleansing wildfire. It's a sorcery for one in red. It says destroy target land. Its controller may search their library for a basic land, put it onto the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle their library, draw a card. Jeez, I forgot that this card was a common, and this was probably, yeah, this probably this probably requires some chatting. This is such an interesting card. I mean. The thing that sucks is days exist, right? Yeah, I've heard everybody like clowning this card, and I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get I just, it. I kind of think it's the the problem is just that like the deck it's the best against that you would see the most has just like built in insanity resilience to this, not just like it can counter it. <laughs> no, th- I'm interested in this because it's there are decks that exist in the world that we play that don't want to fit Wasteland into their deck. But they are interested in having something to remove uh, like lands that are problems for them and then also cantrip. 
Like, this is not your, like, yes, days exist. So, like, you're not trying to play this against Delver, even though, like, you would, it, it's just a stone rain if you do. Because that's not what the games are ever about. Because if you're not also Delver, you're never, you're, you're not trying to trade two mana for no mana. Yep. This, this is the type of card where I'm like, oh, this is nice to finally have a card that you can play in your sideboard and your control decks now are not just like stupid cold to cloud post or like dead to a besage you or uh, you, you like name it. Like this is a, 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 such a, a lovely tool to be able to turn to when you're like, well, my deck can't support Blood Moon or well, my deck can't really support Back to Basics. I guess I'll just be cold to those decks. <laughs> now you don't have to be. Yep. Now you just have like a, a totally reasonable card that you can use as, a, as a, an answer that will then cantrip you. And it works with all of the other cards that would work with that card because it's cheap. Like, let's say you, like you Snapcaster. I guess Snapcaster hasn't seen as much play, but <laughs> like there's, there, there is so much good utility. And I'm so happy that this card exists, whether or not it sees any play at all. Because as... If you've ever been a Miracles pilot and lost to Cloud Post because they Caracas looped their Ember Cool, <laughs> this is the card for you. You, you. you will have longed for this card. And I'm, I'm very happy that it exists. I'm surprised that everybody was like, wow, can't believe they printed this card and then immediately went to, well, days. So I guess this card fucking sucks. Like, no, this card is very good and it will see play as, as, a, uh, as a scalpel for the control decks against the decks that are, that are abusing lands. And that's I mean, great. Yeah, I had the same thought as you. I think that this is definitely like, this is not here to, to mana deny. It's here to, uh, it's, a, it's a cleanup card and it will hit all these annoying lands like Dark Depths and Cloud Post. Yeah, sure, I'm with you. I do think it sucks that you can't play it against Delver. I guess that's more my point, right? If it had split second or something, it would be sweet. Um, but like, just like, but I guess then Delver would just play it in the mirror, so whatever. Um, this, this, is, this is like, I, I put this like akin to what like Cling to Dust sort of does, right? Like yeah. cling, cling to Dust lets you interact with the zone. It lets you draw a card by interacting with that zone that you otherwise wouldn't be able to interact with it. And so now your percentages, being the deck that's not trying to do something egregious, has ways to combat the decks that are when you otherwise never had access to that type of interaction before outside of Death Rite Shaman. This is, this is something similar, right? Like yeah. let's say you were thinking to yourself, well, I expect there to be a lot of lands or depths or whatever in this tournament I'm going to go to. I'm going to play two of these main board. At, at the floor, is there a two-mana cantrip? Yep. And you can also destroy your own, your own land even. Yeah, if, you're, if you, you <laughs> want to tutor up from the, yeah. Maybe, maybe you do want to change something out for some reason. This Threshold. Also this, is, this is also cool. In, in, there's like, you know, roundabout uh, applications to this too because it says destroy target land. It doesn't say... If you do it, or if it if it dies or whatever, it's controller. So you can like target uh, an indestructible land and then use it as a rampant growth. Yep, um, for sure. Nobody's ever going to do that, but I'm saying I'm saying there's applications here, people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speak. I want to let's talk about feed the swarm. One in a Yo, feed the so swarm. Good. One in a one in a black for a sorcery. Destroy target creature or enchantment and opponent controls. You lose life equals to that permanence converted mana cost. Yeah, everybody get over it. Black and destroy enchantments now. Welcome to the world we live in. This card is great. I've already played it. I played it a bunch in that Bullets of Citadel Doomsday deck I was talking about before. As a two of, it was excellent all the time. I'm not really sure what the, what the implications of Black getting enchantment 
removal is. They were just, they, they, they were saying that like other parts of the color pie get to interact with like uh, uh, a a certain number of uh, permanents or a certain number of cards, and black w- had one less. So like black could interact with creatures and planeswalkers, but uh, it couldn't interact with enchantments or artifacts. But like red can interact with creatures, artifacts. planeswalkers, artifacts. White gets to interact with enchantments, uh, artifacts, creatures. So they were like, black is is sitting behind one. It doesn't feel that way because black gets discard, but that's that was the rationale. They were like, black should be even keel with the other colors. When you have a form, a set like this where we've talked about a few things, like here's a role player that changes characters. When you have a set like this where it, that's introducing cards that are these role players, you have that just insanely interesting calculus it changes a lot of matchups even if it does even if decks even if the cards don't create like brand new decks like for example something like underworld breach did or oko or whatever um or like pull a deck really far ahead here's the thing reanimator right this thing kills leyline of the void and containment priest all in one card like this is a good card for for this, reanimator this, this card is excellent this card is just like it's not templated the same, so it doesn't like jump out immediately as the uh, analogy. This is the black abrade. Yeah, I mean that that's pretty close to that. Abrade is abrade sees a ton of play in the decks yeah. that are interested in having that kind of flexibility. Yep. Um, but it, 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 it does kind of open up like yeah, like a, like a mono black reanimator deck or changes how they do the splashes for whatever reason. Like there's a lot that goes into that, right? Changes their sideboarding. I mean, yes, the splashes are kind of free in Reanimator because you're not really like, you don't really care that much about your mana in the same way. But like, just that it's there is something, right? Dude, this was this was a. a I think your example about Reanimator is like spot on for what this card will be useful for, like immediately in a in a deck that already exists. But this is also the another one of those cards that can open up different. Um, types of decks that otherwise would have always had to rely on specific like uh, a very narrow subsection of cards it's like now you can play a combo deck that doesn't need to splash green for abrupt decay to get rid of like your deafening silence or whatever right yep which is great that's that that is that is a net positive for the format right um, I want to talk about Skyclave Pickaxe because I wanted to talk about at least one of these cards and actually this one I, I thought I think is actually a pretty good card it's one green for an equipment. So it's one green for an artifact equipment. Um, and before I get to the thing I want to talk about, just say what it does. It's a, it's, it's a land, it makes every one of your cards into a step link. So it has landfall, whatever land it is, a creature, battlefield, your control, a quick creature gets plus two, plus two. It has equipped two and a green. But when Skyclave Pickaxe enters the battlefield, attach it to target creature you control. So this card, and there's a cycle of these. Um, equipments it's funny it, you it's it's a creature enchantment with this with extra steps right it's a creature enchantment that offsets the fact that enchantment that that auras suck right i i it, but it's it also takes a little bit of what's special about equipment and kind of monkeys with it at the same time like I don't know how to feel about this card. The reason I, I, I pointed out is like, as you know, I'm a big fan of just trying to land fall berserk. And I was like, adventurer's gear already existed, but that required, that didn't just come into play and go on a creature, you know? Um, 
they can still remove the creature in response to the trigger, but you keep your thing in play at least, you know? I mean, I don't know how to feel about this. It's nice, and maybe I, w- I would like to see them lean more towards like a creature enchantment. If they, if they make cards like this, I want to see more like creature enchantment style cards and not just like an equip, like what would be a regular equipment, but you know, it's just irritating. This, this added text, yeah. Added text. I mean, the, 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 the struggle with uh, creature auras is that the, the, in competitive play, the downside of, what, uh, of the potential loss of values for auras means that they constantly have to ham fist ways to add card advantage into an aura, even if it doesn't stick. Right, yeah. like there's an inherent flaw that auras have mechanically in design, and so they're constantly having to design to like add text to make up for that inherent flaw in order to make it playable, which is like super inelegant. And so, if there were if there were designs that would have been on cards that so like for example, pickaxe if it were an enchant aura would see zero play, right? But yep. because it is what it is now, I literally like have already seen this be tried out in infect yeah right exactly and that's the difference right like the difference between okay let's give this a shot and see if it's good enough is because of this this new text on an equipment as opposed to if it was an aura it would just never see play yeah because you're like the the equivalent to that like think about it like this like this is functionally rancor as the aura that like gives you the card advantage back right and that doesn't see play so I think it's uh, fine. I think I think I think auras like they use them for uh, limited, but I mean auras don't see play in constructed because they're just inherently bad. Adventuring gear was card to give. Adventuring gear was never tried in infect because it takes two mana. Like yeah. you, this thing is this thing goes like okay, turn two, right? I play my uh, what's it called uh, blighted agent, right? If I untap mm-hmm. of it, one mana puts this on there, fetch land. Now it's a 5-5, five, five and I attack. You're, the Berserk wins. You only need the one Berserk. Just fetch the end Berserk. That's why, it's such a sweet, that's why it's such a sweet effect. And, you know, Adventuring Gear costs you the one more, which you would be able to do, but you would be playing around various other things like days. And you just do it through days. Um, pickaxe also, if, like, people in Infect leaned into Pickaxe, it also makes me think that they would uh, lean harder into things like Crop Rotation, yep. because then your Crop Rotation can just be a plus four can also just be a, a pump spell because you can crop rot for a fetch and fetch and uh, just make it one mana plus four plus four. You can also crop rotation for Sajiri step <laughs> or any number of things. That's why crop rotation berserk landfall is a is a is a uh, uh, white whale of mine. Um, speaking of which, before we get into gold cards, we got to mention Akum Hellhound, one red for an elemental dog, and it's a step links. I love it. Got the red step links. Dude, get your bust out your plateaus. I don't even know if you need to play white, but anyway. Um, let's go to the blue, the, the color, the multicolor cards. So we have a couple of planeswalkers. You want to talk about them? Let's talk uh, about Nahiri. I, I want to talk about Nahiri. I, I, yeah, Nahiri. yeah, you want to read Nahiri? Two red, white, legendary planeswalker, Nahiri, four loyalty, plus one. Create a one, one white core warrior creature token. You may attach an equipment you control to it. Minus two, look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a warrior or equipment card from among them, put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Minus three, it deals damage to target creature or planeswalker equal to the number of equipment you control. This card sucks. I'm yeah, so I mean, if, 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 
if it were to see play, like the most powerful part about it is the the it, it circumvents mana because it has the the plus one is core outfitter. Yeah. So like if it does see play, it's going to see play on the back of just being a, a consistent core outfitter. Uh, it's not going to see play though. It sucks. It sucks that it's like this could have been a, this could have been a two mana planeswalker. They put two mana planeswalker removal in the set. Like I don't know. It, it's just kind of a bummer that like here we got like a pretty cool character and in a pretty you know a color combination that gets like literally nothing. <laughs> just can't even think of a good planeswalker for it. You need to have this deck with tons of equipment for its minus three. Like who has well this? well just just wait until we go to the equipment block where every card is like a sorcery or a creature or an instant and then the backside is an equipment that you can just play if you want it. Now that you mentioned that, that's the thing I'm sort of scared of. Like what if they have something horrible coming up? Nissa of Shadowed Bows, uh, two black, green, legendary planeswalker, Nissa, landfall. Whenever land enters the battlefield under control, put a loyalty counter on it. It starts with four loyalty. Plus one untapped target land you control. You may have it become a 3 3 elemental creature with haste and menace. Still land, still under turn, rather. Uh, minus five, you may put a creature card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of lands you control onto the battlefield from your hand or graveyard with two plus one plus one counters on it. That's a pretty sweet effect. So if you play this on turn four and then play a fetch land, it's a six. So you can ultimate it and still have it the next turn. And something at five or less coming in with two plus one plus one counters. You know, the way that they keep they keep putting they keep having these cards enter the battlefield or creatures enter the battlefield with, with additional plus one plus one counters. And I keep thinking one of these one of these is gonna is going to make Walking Ballista even more annoying. Yeah, I mean, luckily for all of us in Legacy, this Nissa is just never going to see any play. I did see some people testing it out in Four Color Loam, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, let me rephrase. Uh, see any play and be good. Yeah, see any play and be good. Well, you know, that it's an Oko deck. Four Color Loam now, so whatever. Any... If this card is good because uh, it's just uh, holding Oko's hand, then it doesn't count. <laughs> It doesn't count. Okay. Any other any multicolored cards you want to... I mean, let me tell you, dude. Omnath is like just a really interesting card. It's not going to see any play because Caracas exists, but it's, it's, a, it's a cool design. Yeah, and it's so, many te- so much text. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of text. We're not going to read it. Like, you, can, you can look it up. It's not going to see any play, but it, it has a, a bunch of powerful effects that you, would be interesting if we lived in the timeline where that would have been doable. Yeah, how about these artifacts? Uh, so is there, there I, I don't know what it is, but I, I keep thinking every time I look at Aura that uh, Aura is the guy, is the, the clerk that um, recurs other clerics from the graveyard. And he's, he's essentially scrap trawler for clerks. And I yeah. keep thinking there's, there's got to, there, there just has to exist some kind of combo with him and i don't know what it is but there's enough clerics in the game that never saw any spotlight because they were never like noticed for being a cleric they just are additionally stamped clerics and i could see a a, a world where there is just some kind of combo deck with him but i it i can 99 percent say that it's just never going to find its way to legacy 439 cards with a card type includes cleric or a skycleave hierophant two white black legendary creature core cleric three three with lifelink Whenever it, whenever the cleric you control dies, return target cleric card with lesser converted mana cost from your graveyard to the battlefield. The lesser converted mana cost only is 
Is that Scrap Trawler? Yeah, Lesser Converted Mana Cost is, is Scrap Trawler, but this one returns it to the battlefield where Scrap Trawler returns the artifact to your hand. So this one does circumvent, like a card like this that it, it has a bunch of text, so it says whenever, and then the last clause is essentially a uh, circumventing mana. And those types of cards are usually primed to be a combo piece if the other pieces are there. I don't know what they are, but it's like one of those things where every cleric that ever comes out now, you just got to keep in the back of your mind that maybe there's a combo deck with this guy. It's one of those weird things where, like, I, I know that's I, I know that I've had a scrap trawler or mere retriever loop happen to me because of of Clark, Clark Clan Ironworks, but I don't know that I knew how it was working at the time, and I can't remember how it worked now. So yeah. Oh, so the. the for anybody who doesn't know, that's when you did Cart Clan. And for Cart, you are allowed to overpay for spells when you are announcing that you're what the when you're locking in costs and stuff. So uh, Cart Clan and Scrap Trawler meant that you could cast any spell you wanted, but overpay by sacking your whole board, and then Scrap Trawler would pick up your whole board because you'd have the Retriever pick up the Scrap Trawler, the Scrap Trawler pick up whatever other cards you wanted. It'd all go back to your hand, and then you had just made a bunch of mana to recast them, and then you can loop. So that gets that that gets by because the way magic works in how you have to do things like casting a spell, like you announce you're casting the spell and then you lock in the cost and then you pay for the cost. It's um, it's like when you, uh, affinity, uh, you can get cheaper affinities, even if artifacts leave the battlefield before it actually is paid for. Okay. Because when you, when you cast a spell, you announce the spell, you lock in the cost and then you pay that cost. And in between you can do things that would, that pay the cost that, uh, are on the locked uh, casting cost, even if it changes the casting cost afterwards, after the fact. You know what I mean? Well, there is there are two cards where the text includes quote dies comma return unquote, and the card types include cleric. Um, yeah. So let me just let, let me just say, and one I, of them I is like Aura. I, I feel like what I just said was it, it was confusing. I'll put it in an example like this. If you have Seed of the Synod and Lotus Petal and want to cast Emery, you can go, I'm going to announce Emery, and then you can sack the petal to pay for it, even though there's only one artifact on the board. It was locked in as being only cost, uh, to only cost blue because you had two artifacts. Yeah, right. Um, I'm just uh, now. Now I'm trying to find a combo for this, and I can't think of this. We should, we should just wrap up. We should wrap it up. But I think I don't. I don't think there was anything else that was really. There's there's only one one thing that's just a, a fun of. We don't have to get into it. But myriad construct. It's a four and a four four. It says when you target it, you stack it, and then you make four one one constructs. The, the there's a <laughs> there's no intervening if you do clause though. So that means that if you cast myriad con if you have myriad construct and then um, giga draws it and replicate it. You, you will get four one ones for every time you replicate it, even though it will sack off of the first copy. Because it'll put all the triggers <laughs> on the stack. So, you, you, so if you cast Myriad Construct, then replicate your, whatever your replicate spell is, you know, your Shattering Spree, and you just Shattering Spree this and put all the copies targeting it, you will get, you know, if you put five copies on Myriad Construct, you will make 21 ones. I, I, I'm... I'm... I'm hearing uh, hearing Goblin Bombardment. <laughs> yeah, so sure. for, for, for all, you, all, all, all you people out there looking to have a, a good time trying to make a deck of A plus B work and it still not just be as good as Empty the Warrens, now you have it.
Okay, just call it there. Thanks for everyone oh, who stuck it. with us for this long. And uh, Bill, talk to you again soon. Okay.